two main things. We talked about um, uh, empowering for life and ministry and refining in terms of character. If you like the picture, power kind of has to do with gifts. The refining has to do with fruit. Uh, today, or tonight, we're going to be real, just real tangibly practical, I hope. How does the Holy Spirit lead us? This is led. If we want to be led, we want to be a sailboat, then we need to know exactly how God leads us. I said the first week, everything the Father does on earth, he does through the Holy Spirit. He works in us through the Holy Spirit and among us uh, by the Holy Spirit and in creation uh, through the Spirit. So I'm going to try not to muddy the waters with my terminology. I'll probably say God leads us. And what you need to hear is he leads us by or through the Spirit. So two, two, way, two um, negative pictures, two ways God does not lead us. One, God is not a puppet master. He does not pull our strings. And some people maybe have that idea depending on um, your view of God or maybe where you come from. There are even some kind of uh, theological systems that if they're moved too far in one direction, you have this idea that God controls everything and we're just puppets and he's up there pulling the strings, he's overriding our will. The Holy Spirit never overrides our will, and he's not a dog walker. And You're trying to go one way, and he's, he's overpowering you by pulling the leash in the other direction. He doesn't override, and he doesn't overpower. Um, again, he, he leads, but he does not coerce. He does not force. Even as you read through the Bible, you can see as people have strong uh, encounters with God, and they're still able to resist. They're still able to disobey. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians um, on Sunday mornings, and the whole idea, Paul says, is he says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. You, you're in control. The Holy Spirit never overtakes you in a way that you lose the ability to make choices. And it makes sense. We have a relational God. He's looking for a relational connection with us. So he's not just going to come in and take control. He's not looking for robots. He's not even looking for servants. He's looking for children, sons and daughters. So not a puppet master, not a dog walker. What he is, is he's a guide. If you like that picture, we want to be led. He's our guide. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit or walk by the Spirit or follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life. Two passages. That's 1 Corinthians 2. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So this picture, again, of the Holy Spirit leading us. The Holy Spirit knows the Father's heart, mind. He knows the plans that the Father has. So he is... He is uniquely suited to guide us into the Father's will because he knows it. Uh, John 16, this is Jesus talking. Uh, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So again, this idea of being a guide. He, he knows all truth. I mean, he's omniscient. He's God. And he will guide us. He will lead us into that. So how exactly does he lead us? Uh, some of you may be familiar with the Alpha Course. It's a practical introduction to the Christian faith. It comes out of a church in London. A guy named Nicky Gumbles pulled it together. And he has a great, one of the talks is great, 
on how we're led by God. And he talks about what's called the five CSs. They're super easy to remember. The five CSs, the way God tends to lead us. The first one is compelling spirit. Again, all of these are the work of the spirit. But this is uh, maybe when we talk about God speaking to us, this is what we mean, kind of the Holy Spirit giving us impressions. We're not talking audibly. Y'all know that, but just to be clear, when, we, when you hear people say, God spoke to me, they don't mean audibly. Very, very few people have heard the audible voice of God. It's very rare. It can happen, but that's not what we're talking about. Primarily, when we say this, that God is speaking to us, we mean impressions, either thoughts or feelings, sometimes physical sensations, but kind of thoughts or feelings. That's the dominant way that God leads us, is by these impressions, these thoughts that we have, or these feelings. And it, again, it makes sense. He's a relational God. He desires to communicate with us, so it makes sense that he would do so directly, that he would not use a mediator, that he would communicate directly with us. Sometimes we wish we could hear an audible voice. There wouldn't be a whole lot of faith involved in that. So you've got to have that element of him trying to mature and grow us in terms of faith and trust. And so we have impressions. Every thought you have is not from God. Every feeling you have is not from God. But in general, that's going to be the dominant way you're led. And so your responsibility, my responsibility, is learning how to discern of these thoughts and feelings that I'm having, which ones are from the Lord and which ones are not. One of the things you can do is you want to look to have it confirmed. The more important the decision, the more clear the impression needs to be and the uh, stronger the impression needs to be. If it's a fleeting thought, I think I'll marry that girl. That's too big a decision for a fleeting thought. That needs to be confirmed. That's not something that you just do on a whim. If it's a daily type decision, that's fine. If you're wrong, there's no, it's, you're not out anything. It doesn't hurt that much. We'll look at some general principles here in a minute. But in, just for now, impressions, I would say, the more important that impression, or the more important the decision, the stronger the impression needs to be, the clearer the impression needs to be, and it needs to be confirmed. My recommendation would be that it needs to be confirmed through the word, and it needs to be confirmed through people who love you and love God. That's the way God tends to confirm these impressions. So you have this thought, hey, I want to marry that girl. Well, the first thing you need to do is, I would say, talk to people who know you and say, well, you said that about another girl last week and another girl the week before. You need people who, they provide some objectivity. You know, these impressions that we have, they're all subjective. It's, it's a thought or a feeling, and we need something objective, which is the word and insight from other people. So impressions, um, visions and dreams, God does speak through visions and dreams. I think dreams are more common than visions. Um, you don't have to be super spiritual. You just need to ask. Um, ask God to speak to you through your dreams, and then your responsibility is to record what you dreamed about, and then, again, get it confirmed. Was this the Lord, or was it just my subconscious, or what's going on here? And you can tend to, I, this is my opinion, is you can tell the difference. I don't know how else to say it. You can tell the difference between a dream from God and a dream that's just a regular dream that you had. But you can just be, you can keep a journal by your bed. You can write down the dreams that you have. When you get up in the morning, you can ask God, is this one of these from you? Is there anything that you want to speak to me through that. And I wouldn't discount that, particularly if you're um, an analytical type person. Sometimes your, uh, your brain can kind of get in the way of some of these impressions because you're filtering everything out. That's the way you're wired. And so when your brain's asleep, 
sometimes it's easier for God to get a word in. And that's sometimes where the dreams can become helpful because you don't have your analytical grid up uh, when you're asleep. So if, if that's you, I would say maybe particularly ask God to speak to you through your dreams and trust that he will. And then sometimes people do have visitations. You see that in the Bible. These angels show up and say, do this. That's extraordinarily rare. Um, it's actually pretty easily counterfeited. If you look at a lot of the cults out there, they started because some supernatural being showed up and said something to somebody. Makes sense. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So just because there's a supernatural dimension to the communication doesn't mean it's the Lord. The, the enemy can uh, counterfeit that stuff easy and kind of, again, in the awe of, wow, this is a supernatural occurrence, we can tend to then just assume the content is from God. All of these things need to be confirmed. Impressions need to be confirmed. Dreams need to be confirmed. Visitations even. If you have a happen to have an angelic visitation, that needs to be confirmed as well. You always want to look at these subjective things and line them up with the objective truth of what's in the word. And that's the second CS, commanding scripture. God speaks through the Bible in two ways. One are just general commands. Love God, love people, make disciples, forgive your enemies, Pray for those who persecute you. Honor your parents. You don't need to ask how you're supposed to treat your parents. We're all supposed to honor them. That's, that's a general command. It's in there. It applies to everybody, kind of period, dot, the end. And the Bible is full of those general commands or general principles. There's also a, a different element, and it's a personal application. This is something that's kind of just for you. You're reading the Bible, and you maybe feel like a passage or a verse or a phrase jumps out at you. Sometimes there's... It's a eureka moment, like, oh, I'm, I'm reading this for the first time, or I get this for the first time. There's The light kind of goes off. Sometimes there's some emotion attached to it. That could be God speaking to you through the word. Some of you have verses that are very dear to you, and they're true for all of us. I mean, everything in the Bible is true, but for you, these verses are they're written on your heart. And uh, God will speak to you through the word, through those personal applications. Uh, that means you've got to be in the word he can't speak to you through the word if you're not reading it uh, you want to read it for a couple of reasons one because when you have an impression then you have something to measure that impression against if you have a general sense of this is what i know to be true from the bible when you have a thought or a feeling you can line it up i have the thought or feeling to flip this person off because they cut me off in traffic i can line that up with the word no that's not from god so you move on to the next thing it's you need to know those types it's good to have a bat you don't have to be able to quote the chapter in verse to me that's great what's more important to me is do you know the do you have a feel for who god is the bible is it's revelation it's not a list of rules it's a god is saying this is who i am that's what the book is for it's to reveal his character and his nature to us it's one of the ways we get to know him and so as you're in the word you want to get in it not just to learn the history and the doctrine and that type of stuff, but to get to know the author, to get to know. That's why he gave it to us, so we could know him. Again, he's after relationship. So as you read the word, you get to know the writer better, and then you can line these impressions and these thoughts and these feelings you have up against what you know to be true about God's character and about his nature. And once you have both of those things working, you're a long way towards being led. Once you feel like you've got a, a decent understanding of who God is, you don't have to have a masters of divinity to know that he wants us all to know him and to know him well and what once you kind of have that going and you you're you're paying attention to these impressions then again you're a long way towards 
being a sailboat and being led by the Spirit. So those personal applications, uh, you want to read the Bible for that. And also, if you're not reading it, God can't speak directly to you through the Word. He can't highlight it if you're not reading it. So I would encourage you to figure out a way to get in the Word on a regular basis. Council of the Saints, that's just friends. God speaks to the body, through the body. What you want are friends who love you and love God. Both of those things. If you have people who love you, that's wonderful. God spoke through a donkey. He can speak through them as well. However, if you've got a different value system from somebody else, it's going to be difficult for them. Uh, It it makes it trickier when you have people giving input into your situation. Even if they love you, if they're coming from a completely different worldview or they have a different set of core values, it's going to be difficult for them to truly provide God's perspective. Again, he spoke through a, a donkey, and so he can speak through people who are not believers for sure. It's just, it's, it's more rare. And so if you can find people who love God, who then have the same value system as you, you're just a little easier. And then you also want to find people who love you. There's plenty of people who know the truth, and they're more than happy to hit you over the head with it. What you want is folks who love you and want your best, have your best at heart. Uh, people who are willing to say, you know what, I don't think you need to walk down that road. Uh, you know. Some of us need friends who will tell us no. Those types of people. And when you get two or three of those in your life, you want to hold on to them. So you want to look for people who love God, who love you, and then your responsibility in those relationships is to be transparent and vulnerable. You need to let people know what's going on and give them an opportunity to speak into your life. Yes, God can speak a word to somebody for a stranger. Again, that's a, that's a more, much more rare occurrence than God speaking to us through our friends and through our family. And so the, the way our responsibility in that is to let people see what's going on in our life to give them an opportunity to be used by God, to be a channel of his grace. Common sense, that's just wisdom. God ordered the world in a predictable way so we could navigate. If you woke up tomorrow and gravity's off and then you wake up the next day and gravity's on and you can't we we would live in fear if today every action has an equal and opposite reaction and tomorrow every action has an exponential and opposite reaction you wouldn't know what we couldn't function physically if those things were going on and the same thing's true spiritually and emotionally and relationally there's just things that god has he's ordered the world in a predictable way for our benefit it's not so we can leave him aside and say we can figure everything out on our own so we can navigate through the world with freedom we can navigate through our day with freedom and without fear again normal pro- normal course of events before you marry the girl you date her it could yes you might know the first time you see her that you're going to marry her but if you go and ask her before you know her name the chances are she's going to say no Normally, common sense, wisdom says, here's how a relationship progresses. If you break your arm, yes, God can heal it miraculously. Oftentimes, he does not. He Go get it set, and you get a cast, and he heals it over time. Common sense, there's wisdom. It doesn't, it doesn't preclude the miraculous. It doesn't preclude God from saying, yes, you're going to marry her. Go propose now, and him saying, this is the guy, say yes. That, yeah, okay, that's why we remember those stories, because they're rare. He can do that, but there's wisdom involved as well, the normal course of events that can feel not spiritual. But again, it's God's common grace for all of us. He's kind of said, here, these, are, these tend to be the rules so you can live your life with freedom rather 
with fear and uncertainty over how things um, are going to play out. Circumstantial signs, I actually don't enjoy this one at all. It's the weakest to me. It's the weakest of the five, and it's the one that we tend to put the most stock in. We all talk about open doors and closed doors, and I think it's very difficult to use open and closed doors as direction. You can, my opinion, use them as confirmation. Don't use them as direction because oftentimes we can't understand a circumstantial sign except in retrospect. When I was in um, Kentucky, there were some uh, adult leaders in our youth group, Dwayne and Amy, and Dwayne felt like Amy was his girl. Amy, will you marry me? No. A few months later, Amy, will you marry me? No. A few months later, Amy, will you marry me? No. A few months later, Amy, will you marry me? No. Amy, will you marry me? No. Amy, will you marry me? Yes. Six times before she said yes. That's a lot of closed doors. I, I don't know who keeps going back to that well that often. But he, I mean, he felt like God said she's the girl. He pursued her over the course of several years. And uh, it's because he had this impression from God that was very strong that she was to be his wife. And so what we would all say, buddy, you're, move on. You're missing the boat. Those doors are closed for whatever reason. They didn't, he wasn't uh, directed by those circumstantial signs of her saying no. He was directed by this, what he what turned out to be true, this word from God that said she's his wife. And so what, again, we would look at and say, that's, that's very clear that you don't need to keep moving in this direction. He did not allow that to sway him from what God said. And we can go back and forth on being stubborn and all of those things. But again, he was right. You know, you, feel, you go for a job and, and you get turned down. Is that turned down? Is that God closing the door? Is that the enemy keeping you from getting the job? Is it because the guy had a bad day and you need to go back? All of those things to me can only be seen in retrospect, if you wind up getting the job, then no, God didn't close the door. He just wanted you to be persistent. And so I think it's, again, very difficult to allow your life to be directed by circumstantial signs because we can read the same thing in two completely different ways. And again, it's, oftentimes it's only in retrospect that we can say that's what was going on there. You know, Think of Gideon. An angel says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to lead this army and then Gideon says give me a sign to confirm what you just said and so you got the whole thing with the fleece and then you have the thing with the fleece the next night as well he wasn't directed by the those fleeces he was directed by this word from an angel and the fleece things just confirmed that this was true so the signs confirmed the direction or the revelation that he got from the angel and that is to me a much better way to live our life get something from number one or number two Compelling spirit, commanding scripture. That's stuff that you can hang your hat on, particularly if those impressions have been confirmed once or twice. So grab onto those things, and then if, if there are signs that confirm it, that's great. But if there are things that point in the other direction, you won't be swayed by that. Sometimes God wants you to kick down a closed door, and sometimes he wants you to walk past an open one. He wants us to be led by his spirit, not by the signs that we see with our eyes. I know that can be a bit confusing, but for me, I, I, I've just seen a lot of people make mistakes trying to read, is this door open or is this door closed and is God leading? It's, to me, that's just a very tricky way 
to live life. It's much easier to say, I'm going to spend whatever time I need to spend with the Lord to get some sense of his leading, and then I'll look for these signs to confirm it, but I'm not going to make my decisions based on open and closed doors. So two general principles. Daily decisions, the light's green unless it's red. Major decisions, the light is red unless it's green. So in daily things, you just live. God's looking for mature sons and daughters. All of you are adults. I don't think, I hope, none of you call your parents in the morning and say, what should I wear today? Is it going to be rainy? Do I, you know, I, you don't do that. I don't think your mom is still calling you and waking you up in the morning. You don't call and ask what, whether you can have a snack. You don't ask what time you can go to bed. You're an adult. Your parents have trained you to live as an adult. That's what God trusts us. He's looking for mature sons and daughters. So you don't need to ask him all of these. I had some friends in college who had, I mean, I literally, this is not a lie. I had somebody pray about whether they should wear blue jeans or khaki pants. I'm, what? You, like, they think I'm being super spiritual because even the most minute detail, and I'm going, you're being a sissy. Make it, he doesn't care. It does not affect your life. That's not a kingdom choice. And I think for us, on the daily things of living life, just assume the light's green. Samuel says to Saul, here's some things that will let you know that you're a king. These things are going to happen during your day. And once those things happen, do whatever your hand finds you to do. You just do it because you're the king. And so live as the king. And that's what God says to us. My spirit lives within you, so live your life. If you're moving off track, I'm going to convict you of that. The assumption is that you're not trying to see what you can get away with, how far you can go before you've crossed the line into sin and unrighteousness. The assumption is your desire is to be a son or a daughter of the king, a son or daughter of God, and to live life that way. So just live in the daily decisions. Don't get so hung up on... Is it okay for me to do this? Is it okay for me to do that? God, how do you want me to spend my this extra 30 minutes? All that type of stuff. Just go and live and trust him to bring conviction where he needs to bring conviction. Otherwise, he, I think what he's saying to us is, I trust you. Now, big decisions, completely different. I assume the light is red unless it's green. I don't, you know, my encouragement to you is you don't need to wake up every morning and pray, do I need to go to work today? Do I need to keep this job? Assume that you keep the job until God says starts moving you out of it. You don't need to, do I need to move? Do I need to find another place to live, move to a different city? Assume God's planted you here unless he begins to pull you out of here. Those major things, the assumption again is he's put you where he's put you, so live your life there until he begins to move you out of that. Set right after Samuel says to uh, Samuel says to Saul, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Then in verse 8 of First Samuel 10, he says this, Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. That's a clear word from a prophet. You go to this town and you wait for seven days and then I'm coming. Saul doesn't do it. He goes to the town. He waits for seven days. The men in his army start getting scared because they're being attacked. They haven't made these sacrifices before they fight, so they don't know if God's with them. And so Saul says, I'll do it. I'll just do it. And as soon as he makes the sacrifices, who shows up? Samuel. And Samuel says, Saul, I told you to wait. And you didn't wait. And there's a rebuke there from God for Saul. It's a very clear word. This is what you're supposed to do. 
so you don't move off of it. And if you feel like God has called me to this place, you don't move off of that. God's planted you here. He's planted you in this job, or he's planted you in this community. He's planted you in this family. Those aren't the kinds of things that you need to be asking about on a regular basis. Major things, what I would recommend is you don't even worry about them. It's his job to change the traffic signals. So if it's daily stuff, it's his job to make the light red. Otherwise, I'm just going. And on, uh, or, excuse me, I said that backwards. On daily things, it's his job to make the light red. Otherwise, I'm just going. On major things, it's his job to make it green. Otherwise, I'm not worried about it. And I assume I am where he wants me to be. Otherwise, you can get locked up really quick when it comes to living your life. And you waste a whole lot of time being fruitless and being frustrated. So I would say in general, when it comes to these major things, until you have a clear word, you go with the last clear word. So for Saul, the clear word, you wait seven days. So until you hear something else that clear, you assume, I'm going to wait seven days. If God wants me to do something else, he's going to make it that clear. So again, my assumption is I'm staying here until he, makes it, until he speaks just as clearly for me to move as he did for me to stay. Stonebridge isn't moving off the square until God as clearly says, move off the square, as he said, stay. We don't spend any time thinking about that. I don't care how many people come to church here. I don't care how many services we have to have. It doesn't. He said, stay here. So we don't spend any time looking at property anywhere else until he makes it just as clear that we're supposed to leave. And if he does, then we'll go. But otherwise, we're not gonna, we don't spend any time on that. And the same thing is true with those types of decisions in your life. Big things, he's going to be clear. And until he's clear, the assumption is just hang tight with the status quo. Real quick, four hindrances to being led. These are all self-explanatory. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. Lack of belief. Some people think God doesn't speak. And that's that. If you don't think God speaks, then you're not going to be led. And for some of you, if you're honest, you don't think God speaks. It might be because this next one, lack of confidence. You say, well, he might speak, but he doesn't speak to me. Those two things are kind of tied together, that lack of belief and lack of confidence. Jesus is very clear. His sheep will know his voice. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You're, he's speaking to you. Lack of attentiveness. I think this is a huge one. This, is, to me, is probably the, the main reason why we're not led. It's because we just don't pay attention. We don't give God the time and the space to lead us. We're so busy and we're so fast and we're so efficient that in our lives are in here is so noisy. We don't get, you, don't, you can't, there's no room for an impression. God has to take a number if he wants to talk to some of us because there's so much going on in here and in here all the time, there's no space for the spirit to speak. Think of that with Elijah. You know, it's not the earthquake and it's not this tornado, it's this, still small voice and that's often how God speaks to us but it gets drowned out because we live so noisy and it, uh, some of it's our culture some of it's us but it doesn't matter the cause what matters is what are we going to do about it how do we unplug from that for long enough to give him a chance to speak it takes more discipline at the beginning and if you'll be willing to kind of put in the time on the front end to develop the discipline then you'll get to where you can hear him in the midst of your day uh, you just you'll you can get to where you can quiet down as your my recommendation is at the beginning if you struggle with hearing the Lord if you say I don't 
It's, and it, it doesn't work for me. I've tried all these things. It doesn't work. It's begin to set aside some time. My recommendation is the morning. But if you're a night person, you can do the night. Five to ten minutes and don't do anything. Sit in a chair. Just sit and don't do anything. And then get up after five or ten minutes. And do that for a few days. And all you're doing is practicing being still and being quiet. And when you sit down, the first couple of minutes, your mind's going to be everywhere. The grocery list and all of these things. And some people say, leave a pad there and you can write down what you think about. I say, don't even do that. Discipline yourself to say, no, I'm not going to think about those things. And just once you get in the habit of learning how to quiet your mind, then you'll be able to do it when you're in the car and you'll be able to do it when you're talking to somebody else and you'll be able to have two conversations at once. This conversation in this conversation at the same time. And that might, for some of you, you're thinking, gosh, I'll never, you will. Once you can learn how to quiet your, what's going on in here, you'll realize he's speaking a lot more regularly than you think. And the other thing you'll realize is you've been hearing him all the time. You just didn't know it was him. It was just, it was getting lost in all the noise. So begin to practice that at home, and then it'll be much easier for you to do it during the day. So pay attention to him. And then the last thing is a lack of responsiveness. I, this is a pretty rare to me, but it can be a huge roadblock. Luke 8, 18 says, Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. God doesn't give suggestions. He gives commands. And so when he says, this is the direction I want you to go, then that's the direction he expects you to go. And if you don't go in that direction, he's not going to tell you anything else. He's told you what to do, so do it. And until you do it, he's not going to give you any other direction. And again, I think this is somewhat rare because most people's hearts haven't gotten so hard that they just deliberately disobey a word from God. But it, it, it does happen where God has said to do something and somebody just says, I'm not, I'm not forgiving them. I'll do anything. I'm not going to do that. What they did to me was so wrong. I'm not going to forgive them. Then you're done. He's not going to say anything else until you've done that. He's, told, he's given you a word of instruction, and once you obey that, he'll give you the next piece. So again, I think that's a rare, I doubt any of you in here are really wrestling in that area now, but it may be that you're, at some point you're working with somebody, talking with somebody, and that's where they are. They really feel stuck, and if you can track that back to what's the last clear thing you heard from God, and if they're not doing it, then they're not going to get anything else until they take care of what he's told them. Um, that's just the way he tends to work. So, five CSs. Compelling spirit, commanding scripture, counsel of saints, common sense, circumstantial signs. Those five discussion questions, which one of those do you connect with the most? Which one of those uh, do you find the most difficult to grab onto? You can't say common sense is the one you connect with the most. I want you to pick something else. So, um, just I want you to. That's an easy default for some of you. It's a way, and I don't want you to do that. Pick another one. And if it's circumstantial signs, don't let what I said, I mean, say that's the one that you connect with the most, and y'all can talk through what that looks like. Those four hindrances, lack of belief, lack of confidence, lack of attentiveness, or lack of responsiveness, which one of those tends to trip you up? Which of, if you had to pick one, which of those four really keeps you uh, from hearing the Lord? Again, we're talking about being led. It's a very relational thing with God. He doesn't give, even the Bible, it's not a, this isn't a step-by-step guide to life. There's so many decisions that we make that these, it doesn't tell you what to do in here. 
because the expectation is I've put the guide within you. And so lean, trust, listen to him. And so we need to cultivate this ability to hear his voice, whether he's speaking to us through these impressions, through the word, through other people, all that kind of stuff. So y'all get that? Good. I'm going to pray, and then y'all are going to discuss. God, I do thank you that you speak to us. I thank you that you lead us. Again, I think there are times all of us certainly wish you'd leave notes on the refrigerator and we could just read them and go. But that's not the way you work, and that's not relational. God, we would, you know us, and we would wind up distancing ourselves from you and just looking for the note, and we'd quit looking for the guy who wrote it. And so, Lord, my prayer for every man and woman in this room is, one, you would show each of us where you have led us in the past. God, I pray particularly for those who say, I've never, ever heard God say anything to me. Lord, I pray just for, a, just for a memory when they were led in the past. God, just a time when you did speak, even if it seems trivial, when you spoke something to them and they heard you. And God, I pray for all of us that we would grow in our attentiveness to you, that we would learn how to quiet our insides so that you can speak to us, that we would learn how with our eyes to see what you're doing in our world to hear what you're saying to us through other people. God, we want to be people who are led by your spirit on a daily basis. So I pray the discussion that we're about to have would move us in that direction. In Jesus' name, amen.